Repent, therefore, of thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Okay, I want you to think about this. Here's a man that got saved. Why didn't Peter say, listen, si listen Simon, I, I know you messed up, but your sin's forgiven ahead of time, so you don't need to repent. You don't need to ask God to forgive you because you're already forgiven. It would be an insult to God like these preachers are saying, but that's not what he's saying. This is the proof, the proof text that your future sins are not forgiven. They're that's not right. forgiven, people. Wake up. They're not if they would have been, this is New Testament, this is New Covenant, so don't let them give you that excuse. Here is an individual that sinned after salvation, and Peter is telling him, you need to ask God to forgive you. Your sin is not forgiven. Your heart is now right, not right with God, and pray that perhaps God will forgive you. Hello and welcome uh, to Berea Broadcast and Only One Truth. Uh, welcome uh, with us today. We are excited. We've got an exciting message to bring forth to you today. Um, something that's going to be extremely helpful. We have fellowship here in Louisiana um, with quite a few people. Um, I oversee uh, the church here uh, that's made up of many members. And I've got something that's burdening on both Wes and I's heart because we go out and we minister the gospel out on the street. We minister the gospel through every network we possibly can. And we keep running into these people that are being told by their pastors that their future sins will, are already forgiven, that their past, present, and future sins are forgiven. And there's no scriptures in the Bible that say such a thing. And, and if you've been told that, you need to stay tuned because you need to hear what the word of God says. Listen, this thing is dangerous of what's being done. It will send you to hell. And, and I'm very, very passionately moved by what's happening and by confronting people that are believing this and won't even confess their sins because they believe that they've forgiven already of that. And that's not true. Brother Wes? Yeah, it's uh, definitely been a problem, and um, and we're just going to play some clips here of some uh, known preachers in this day and age um, that seem to they seem to have the platform, and so we're just trying to get our foot in the door to tell people the truth and what's really the what really the Bible speaks on this topic. So I'm going to share the, these uh, clips, and we'll go from there. Do your sin? He forgave it. So if you're truly confessing your sins the Bible way, you must confess in such a way, Father, I did that just now. I thank you that you have forgiven me. That is homologio. So that's what I do. When I sin, all right, and I realize it's a sin, I just thank God that I have been forgiven of that sin. Now this idea that, oh, you produce licentiousness and all that. No, I'll tell you what. Being sin conscious will produce licentiousness. Varying degrees. Some, the Pentecostals type believe that every time you sin, you actually lose your salvation. You're what they call backslid. And if you were to die in that backslidden state and didn't have time to confess your sin, you'd go to hell, even though you might have served the Lord for all of your life. That's wrong. 
That is not what this is saying. There is no more offering for sin. You can't be born again again. Mm -hmm. You don't backslide and then have to repent and get born again again. That just is a terrible doctrine. That is not what the Word of God teaches. This says that there's only one offering for sin and that you have been purged. God is not going to remember your sins. When you got born again, God not only dealt with the sins that you had committed before you confessed Him as your Savior, but He dealt with all of your sins, past, present, and even future sins that you haven't committed. Somehow that when the Holy Spirit confronts us with our sin, at the same time that He tells us we are guilty, He assures us that we are forgiven. See, I have found so many people. I saw someone last night, and I dealt a long time with them. Precious little girl. She recognized her weakness. She recognized her frailty. She recognized her sin. She recognized there were some things in her life she couldn't overcome right now. But here was her problem. She would see her sin, and because of the work of the devil, and sometimes our own heart condemning us, she would put herself in the penalty box every time that she sinned. Well, you can't go to God right now. You can't just keep running back to Him. I mean, you sinned yesterday and you repented and asked for forgiveness. Now you've done the same exact thing today. I mean, you run back to Him, you're just a hypocrite. You don't appreciate God. You don't have a high view of God. What do you think? God just hands out pardon to everyone? And isn't that what we do? And isn't that what we think? We sin a sin that we've already sinned and already repented of, and because of it, we think we need to put ourselves in a penalty box for a little while at least, a couple of days, and try to work our way back into favor before we come to God. Because if we, th we think, actually, you mean if I go back every time I do this, just immediately, not only going back and asking for forgiveness, but expecting forgiveness, isn't that hypocrisy? Isn't that a low view of God? Isn't that treating God as a forgiveness machine? No, it's being biblical. Okay, as you can tell, um, whether we, we had a couple people on there, which is Andrew Womack and Joseph Prince, they're more of like the charismatic movement or the other side of like the reformed movement, but then you also have R.C. Sproul and Paul Washer. And what, what you need to know is both of them are promoting this idea that even future sins are forgiven. I mean, R.C. Sproul saying, you know, you're just going to thank God that your sins in the future, I guess, are the ones that you're committing presently are already forgiven. And then Paul Washer is, you know, in this whole flow in regards to God just being some forgiveness machine and saying that that is biblical, that you're just in this sin confess cycle. So no matter if you're Arminian or Calvinist, it makes no difference. It, it seems like the majority of the false system is preaching this idea that your past, present and future sins are forgiven. And now we're going to go into some scriptures and uh, to show you that that's not how the Bible portrays, you know, a, a forgiveness of sins. That's not how it talks about it. So I'm going to give it to Don right now, and I'm going to let him go through some scriptures, and then we're going to go back and forth, and we're going to disprove this idea that uh, these these false teachers are coming up with. Uh, you know, I'm just so so moved uh, passionately for the Lord because I, I stand for the Word of God. I don't stand for these emotions emotional expressions, 
by these so-called preachers, which are not, because we know that a preacher must be blameless himself. That says that's spoken of in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. Holy and pure. And these so-called preachers, which are actually, and you know, I don't want to offend you, but this is the truth. They're false preachers. Why? Because the Bible says that a, that a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. And if you're bringing forth sin, then you're, you're really not a good tree. These are, these are, these are wolves in sheep's clothing. And, and let me tell you something. It breaks my heart to hear what's coming out of their mouth. My Bible says in 1 John 3 and 8, it says, if you sin, you have the devil. And they're telling you, you can go ahead and sin, and it's okay. You don't even need to ask for forgiveness for it. Actually, they say if you ask for forgiveness, it's an insult to God. My Bible says in, in Proverbs 28, uh, verse 13, it says that, that he who covers his sins, like what they're saying, will not be shown mercy. Adam covered his sin, the Bible said, when he came out and put a fig leaf and tried to hide from God because he wouldn't confess it. These people are covering their sin. But the Bible says in, in Proverbs 28, 13, that he who confesses and forsakes his sin shall be shown mercy. How are you going to be shown mercy if you're not even confessing it and you're not forsaking it? That's what repentance means is a departure from sin. But these people, and, we, and we're going to prove this by Scripture, are not telling you the truth. The, the enemy has been a liar from the beginning when he told Eve she could eat the fruit of the tree, she could sin and disobey God, that God, when God told her not to, and that she would not die. They're telling you the same thing. And what it is is a trap and a ploy of the enemy to get you not to repent, to get you not to confess your sin so that you'll end up in hell. Yes, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says that they come to you as ministers of righteousness is what they look for. But they're sending you straight to hell. And you need to understand that and come out of this. You need to confess and forsake your sin. And we're going to show that there's no scripture in the Bible that says your, your future sins or your present unconfessed sin are forgiven. You must come to that. The Bible says if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all, all unrighteousness in 1 John 1, 9. You must do it God's way. The Bible says that, that, uh, uh, that whatsoever we do, we must do it according to the word of God. That that's what's going to judge us in the last day is God's word. I'm pleading with you. Get away from these people that are saying this. Those are not the wholesome words of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, if anyone come to you and preach otherwise than the wholesome words of the Lord Jesus Christ and does not consent to the, to the uh, teachings of, of holiness, he is proud knowing nothing. These people don't know what they're talking about. I'm telling you, we're not talking about something that just doesn't matter. We're talking about something here that... It has to do with your eternal destiny. You need to pay attention and pay attention closely because we want to help you not to make it to hell, but to make it to heaven. And I'm telling you, if you follow these men, I'm warning you, you will end up in the pit of hell. Why? Not because of my opinion, but because of what, what this word says. First Peter chapter 4, verse 17 and 18 says, if, if judgment begin at the house of God, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Yes, 
You sin, you will, where will you appear? Because if the righteous scarcely be saved, what's going to happen to you? You've got to do with God's way. If any means strive, let him strive lawfully, 2 Timothy chapter 2 says. Do it God's way. Follow the teachings of Christ. He said, repent. In, in Luke 13, 3 and 13, 5, he says, repent or you shall likewise perish. Brother Wes? Amen, amen. And so we got a couple scriptures here, and we're really just going to go into this to show you that the Bible does not say that your future sins are forgiven. You know, it does not say that even present unforsaken sins are forgiven. You must confess and forsake, like Don says, your sins in order to be forgiven. First John chapter one, verse seven says, you know, those that walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness. So walking in the light means you're walking away from darkness. You're walking away from sin. And that's when the cleansing process happens. And that happens after repentance. So in uh, Romans chapter three, verse 25, Paul, Paul says this, he says, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. So first off, Paul's saying that past sins are forgiven. So then now couple that with second Peter chapter one, verse nine, it says, this is what Peter says. It says, but he that lacketh these things is blind. What things? Well, Peter gives an entire list there. Add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, so if anyone lacks these qualities, these attributes of basically walking in the spirit, Peter says, if you lack these things, you're blind and you cannot see afar off. You've forgotten that you were purged of your old sins. So this has to do with the sins you committed in your past. So now you can see that if somebody doesn't come clean, if they're not walking in the attributes or the fruit of the spirit, they are not forgiven of their past sins. I mean, this is why Peter also says in Second Peter chapter 2, he says those that having washed, right, that they've washed themselves of their past sins, if they go back to their old man, they're the dog that returns to the vomit or the sow, it says the sow, the pig, having washed to the wallowing in the mire, which is back to your sin, back to your filth. And Peter says it would be better for you not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turned away from that. So Peter clearly knows that people escape the corruption, the sin of this world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you've escaped that lifestyle by turning away from your sin, if you go back, that means those sins come back on you. You're, you're, you, you denied him by your works. Therefore, all your works, all your works that according to Titus chapter one, if you deny him by your works, by your lifestyle, then he says that you're disqualified. You're disqualified. And it says that all your works are, are, are no longer even godly works anymore. You're disqualified in, in, you know, for every good work is how Paul tells Titus. So I'm going to pass it back over to Don. And we're just going to keep going through some of these scriptures to try to really clarify well, what does the Bible talk about? Um, and, and does it just say, you know, that your past, present and future sins are forgiven? You know, you can't find one place in the scripture that says your future sins are forgiven or your present 
unconfessed sins are forgiven. Uh, Brother West gave you two op two things here, two scriptures that it does talk about uh, past sins, uh, but not unconfessed or future or present or future sins. He said in Romans three twenty five, you need to write that down that you're forgiven for your past sins. He said, and also in First Peter, in case you didn't get it, chapter one, verse nine says that that uh, but he that like these things is blind and cannot see afar off hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins, which would mean your past sins. Now, I, I want to give you an ironclad, no doubt, scriptures here that will show you that your future sins are not forgiven. I want to show it to you here. Perfect example. In the book of Acts, you'll see that in the book of Acts chapter 6, the, uh, the, the brethren, Peter and John, the pillars of the church, they were so busy uh, with the things of God and, that, and, and also for serving tables and taking care of the widows, they decided they were going to appoint some deacons, basically. And they appointed uh, uh, some deacons to help to serve the widows and to serve the people so that they could be dedicated to prayer and to study in God's word. Two of these people that they, that they ordained, one was uh, Stephen and the other was Philip. Well, Stephen was, was and he was just, a, he was a deacon and then he was full of the power of God, doing miracles and praying for people. And, but they caught him, as you know, and they began to question him and try to make false accusations against him, saying that he was speaking against God. But when they saw him, they saw his face as an angel of God. And Stephen began to preach to him, really had the knowledge of the word of God and began to preach to them and preach Christ to them. And they began to stop up their ears. They went and bit on him, were biting on him. And at last they, they stoned him to death. Powerful deacon. And he was so gracious, looking up, seeing the Lord and crying out to the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive them because his love for them. Well, there was another one, Stephen. And Stephen was, was also a deacon, had just been appointed. And he went to Samaria and he started ministering to the people in Samaria. And while he was ministering there, the Holy Spirit was falling. He was praying for people. They were getting healed. And he ministered to them and they were beginning to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because they saw the miracles that were being done and they heard the true gospel. And uh, I can imagine the excitement going on there in Samaria. And there was a particular individual there whose name was Simon, who was a sorcerer. And he had vexed the people before. They thought he was some great man because he used sorcery and magic trips, tricks to do things that people look like miracles. But when Simon himself, the magician, saw what was going on with, with, uh, with Philip, seeing that Philip was praying for these people and preaching this gospel, he also, the Bible says, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, it says that he went so far, that's, in, that's found in, in, the book of, in the book of Acts in chapter 8, it, it went so far that Simon himself even got believed and, and, went, and he was baptized and he continued. So those were all were the qualification for salvation. He believed on the Lord, he got baptized, and he was continuing with them. And so the, the, there was joy all over. It was so much joy that they called uh, for Peter and John to come down because they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. And so they came down and they started praying and laying hands on the people and the people were getting filled with the Holy Spirit and such an exciting time. And Simon looked at this and he says, whoa, he says, I tell you what, uh, 
he says, he says in verse 18, he says, and when Simon saw that through lay, laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. He wanted to buy it. Now, here's the guy that has been believed on the Lord, was baptized, and was continuing in the Lord. But he sees what happens when the Holy Ghost came on them, and he wanted to buy it with money. And I want, to, want you to pay special attention to what happens here when Peter confronts him. Say, Peter, Simon said to them, he says, give me also this power that whoever I lay hands on, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But this is what Peter said in verse 20 of chapter 8. Peter said to him, thy money perish with you because you have thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. He's in trouble, isn't he? Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter for thy heart is not right with God. Now, was his heart right with God before? Well, the Bible says it was. He met all the requirements for salvation of believing on the Lord through fidelity, righteousness. He was continuing in the Lord and he was water baptized. He met all the requirements. But now all of a sudden, because he's done this, he sinned greatly thinking he could buy the Holy Ghost with money, that he can't be purchased with money. He says, because you wanted to do this, he made this offer to me he said, you don't, he said, your heart's not right with God. And listen to what he says. Listen carefully. Peter tells him, he says, repent, therefore, stop your sin. Thy, uh, repent, therefore, of thy wickedness and pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Okay, I want you to think about this. Here's a man that got saved. Why didn't Peter say, listen, si listen, Simon, I, I know you messed up, but your sin's forgiven ahead of time, so you don't need to repent. You don't need to ask God to forgive you because you're already forgiven. It would be an insult to God like these preachers are saying, but that's not what he's saying. This is the proof, the proof text that your future sins are not forgiven. They're that's not right. forgiven, people. Wake up. They're not. If they would have been, this is New Testament, this is New Covenant, so don't let them give you that excuse. Here is an individual that sinned after salvation, and Peter is telling him, you need to ask God to forgive you. Your sin is not forgiven. Your heart is now right, not right with God, and pray that perhaps God will forgive you. If that don't prove it, folks, come on now. you got to wake up. You got to stop this. I don't want to see you go to hell. I don't want to see you perish. Wes and I are here to try to help you. This scripture, this text proves what they are saying is a lie and they are trying to send you to hell. Don't listen to them. I can't be passionate enough. And you say, well, I'm, I'm not mad. I'm mad at the enemy. Amen. I'm mad that they, they're trying to get you to do this because I don't want you to go to hell. I love you. I care about you. I want to see you in heaven. Jesus said, go and sin no more. Stop the sin. And if you sin, if you've fallen, you need to confess it. Just like, just like Philip told him right, just like Peter told him right, told Simon right here. Confess it, repent of it, turn from it. Perhaps God will forgive you. Is that clarity? Wes, help me out here. Is that clarity or what? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it definitely is showing that your future sins are not forgiven, even your present sins, because, you know, perhaps the thought of your heart would be forgiven you if it's sincere. So 
Peter obviously does not know Simon's heart, you know, in the sense of like, if, if he's really going to come clean with God. So he's hoping, he's hoping, and he knows that God's just, he knows that God will forgive somebody if they forsake their sin, but he doesn't know, you know, he obviously knows that Simon's heart is wicked and wanting to purchase the Holy Spirit. So therefore his present or future sins are not forgiven. Great passage to really solidify and say, Hey, these people are not telling you the truth. Here's another one. In Matthew chapter six, uh, verse 14, this is what Jesus says. So he gives, he's giving a contingency upon receiving forgiveness. He says, for if you forgive men, their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if, so if, here's the smallest, most important word in the Bible, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your, will your father forgive your trespasses. So what is that saying? That is saying if you have, if you became a Christian and you actually, just like Simon the sorcerer, you believed, you were baptized, let's say you did come clean with God for a time. And then if somebody does you wrong, and somebody like either gnaws on you, bites on you, mm-hmm. accuses mm-hmm. you, says something evil against you, and then you hold that against them with unforgiveness. You harbor unforgiveness within your heart, and then you're not willing to forgive them. Let's say they come to you and say, hey, will you forgive me? And you just are not willing to do that. The Bible clearly shows right here your future sins your or your present sin of unforgiveness will not be forgiven you. So these are these are texts that clearly show it's it, it's not going to happen and this also ties in with Matthew chapter 18. You could look at this where mm-hmm. Jesus uh, you know talks about the parable of the unforgiving servant. This is the parable giving the example, uh, you know, a lengthy text that Jesus is clearly showing uh what happens to the person that that doesn't forgive you know, somebody that comes to them after being forgiven. So it's clearly shows that the person was forgiven. They were forgiven of their trespasses. So they're a saved individual in Matthew chapter 18. And so then when they don't forgive their trespasses of somebody that owed them a specific debt, what does it say? Since they didn't forgive them, this is what it says in verse 34 of chapter 18 of Matthew. It says, and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. What is that saying? Your present sins or your future sins are not forgiven if you don't forgive others. So clearly it, 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 it this debunks this idea that your, your, your past, present and future sins are forgiven. So I'm going to pass it to Dawn and and we're just going to go through some more of these because we, we want you to see what does the Bible say? This isn't my opinion. This isn't Dawn's opinion. This is what the word of God says in regards to the forgiveness of sins. I, I want, I want to get you thinking a little bit about what they're actually saying. They're actually saying it's an insult to God for you to ask forgiveness for sins after you've come to salvation and you go back to sin. That is the most ridiculous. It, it really is the opposite. It's an insult to God not to ask and not to repent and mostly an insult to you because what are they doing? They're causing your conscience to be seared with a hot iron. They had one girl on, it, on, on that program that, 
uh, the person was telling them that their past, uh, present, and future sins are forgiven. And, and they had her talk into where she would sin and would not ask God if, if, and to feel guilty because they told him so much not to do it that she felt it was an insult. She didn't ask God to forgive her. Where does that put her? Put her in hell. Let me give you some examples of Wes, and I, I want to bring this out a little bit. Maybe you can help me with this. But what would that mean if your future and present unforget, un, unrepented sin are forgiven already? You know, they gave the other extreme, the other side of it. But I'm going to give you some, 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 some basically basics about it. Now, here's, here's what it is. If that person got saved, later became involved in child molesting, child trafficking, um, these heinous sins or denying the Lord Jesus Christ. And think, and they're telling them you can deny Jesus and it's just fine. When Jesus himself said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my heavenly father. They have taken this, what my precious savior said, his words and called Jesus a liar to his face. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and he says this in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before God. They say you can deny him. You're still going to. They say you can take the mark of the beast. When the Bible says whoever takes the mark of the beast on his right hand or forehead will be in a pit of fire forever. They say it's okay. You can do that. That's what saying your future sins are forgiven. They say you can murder somebody. I mean, they, they saying you can kill them, you can uh, commit adultery, you, you can be a, a, a just a worse porn looking, uh, whatever it is, most filthiest, hideous sins, killing people. And you still don't ask God to forgive you because it's an insult to God. Oh my, that breaks my heart, people. That breaks my heart. To tell people such a lie, there will be a day of judgment that will come of reckoning. And Jesus said that every man will stand before him to be judged of the deeds that he's done. And that day is coming and it's approaching many right now or, and others that's coming very soon. Come on, Wes, help me out with this. These people need to understand yeah. what these people are telling them by saying that their future sins are forgiven. Is it not true? That the, that the child molester, the child trafficker, all these are basically don't even, you don't even need to ask God to forgive you because he's already forgiven you. Please help me with this. I've got to, I want to get through to these people, please. Yeah. I mean, you, you definitely like one guy, his name's Leighton Flowers and he's well known. Like he used to be a Calvinist. So um, he has like a channel called Soteriology 101. And he says, you know, he said that Peter, when he denied Jesus three times, uh, did not lose his salvation. And he clearly, even within, even he says, if he were to deny Jesus, if somebody put a gun to his head or put a gun to, I think it was to his kid's head. And he said, deny Jesus or I'm going to kill your kid. He goes, well, I don't know what I would do. He goes, that might sound weak. And and guess what, no. Mr. Leighton Flowers, it is weak. And, and, and it is not what Christianity is. 
We look at all these people that were the, of the early church and they were sent to the Colosseums. They were sent before gladiators and tigers and lions. And you know what? They didn't get that privilege of apostatizing and tapping out and denying Jesus, thinking that all is well. No, Jesus said, if you deny me, like what Don said, if you deny me, before men, I will deny you before my father in heaven. And clearly, Paul, Paul knew this, the Paul that was a part of writing two thirds of the New Testament, like what he said to Timothy, he said, this is a faithful saying. So Paul is a faithful steward of God. And he's telling it like it is. He said, this is a faithful saying. If you deny him, he will deny you. He will deny you. So they, it's like they skip over that verse and then they go to the one that says, uh, you know, but he won't deny himself. No, God's not going to deny his justice. You know, it, it go back to like Proverbs. It says he who uh, uh, it says he who uh, forgives the one that's in e evil um, and also uh condemns the righteous, both of these are an abomination. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. God's not going to do anything that's an abomination. He Proverbs holds to justice. Yeah, that's so right. th that's what they're saying these people are doing. They're they're condemning the righteous, you know, by because we're speaking the truth and they're saying that we're wrong. And they're also letting the wicked go free, which God says both of these are an abomination because they're saying your present and your future sins are forgiven ones that are not even unrepentant because you're going to continue to do it. Like what Paul Washer says, like as if, you know, Jesus Christ died on the cross and bled and died so that he could be some floor mat into heaven that you could wipe your feet off as you go through the pearly gates. It's ridiculous to think that that's what Jesus's blood was meant for. Mm. No, that's trampling the son of God underfoot. Yes, that's yes, making yes. Jesus a that's minister right. of sin, which he's not a minister of sin, because if you see, sin, uh, you're go back to your felt. It does not make him a minister of sin. Mm. No, it cuts you off from the covenant. Like Isaiah 59 says, your sins and your iniquities separate you from God. And, uh, and, and so they, they love to go to these passages to try to solidify and say, well, yeah, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And they'll try to that's, say that's that. That's not even the scripture. That's not even what the scripture says. It doesn't say nothing shall separate us from, the, from, from God. It says neither tribulation nor persecution Amen. or all these things shall separate us from the lo love of God. But sin certainly separates you from the love of God. Why? Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says that. Isaiah 59, 1 says, says you're, he says, the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save. 59, 1. Uh, he says that the Lord's ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. But 